right, Church of Omaha, if we could gather into our seats to Happy Father's Day. Um, we'll hear more of that later and uh, stay to the end and there will be some cookies. Leave early and I will eat yours. <laughs> or we'll pass them out to the kids. So. All right. <laughs> but if you could turn in your Bibles, and we're going to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We will be highlighting this entire passage of chapter 15, verses 11 through 32 today. Um, I would encourage you to highlight in your Bible, but not necessarily highlight all verses 11 through 32. It will... You guys ever see that with your kids? (laughs) Pretty soon the whole page is yellow. Looks like one of those paint with water color sheets. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. It says right here, it says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Today I would like to talk to you about, Do you see what I see? Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious word Thank you, O God, for for how you've left this into our hands and your ministry, Lord Jesus, as you imparted to us, God, to propel the church forward and to to rescue our lives and to save us, Lord, and to draw us closer to you. I ask you to speak to us today, God, and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. On this Father's Day, uh, as I was talking to the Lord and, and going through Scripture and in feeling things that he would like me to bring to you, I thought about this father that stood a long ways off. He stood a long ways off, and and his son was going through a struggle and going through trials. And, and, And I say that because sometimes we look at struggles and trials and we think about, man, I was going through life and it was supposed to be pretty good, and I just got whacked. That happened to me the other night. I was driving back from dropping a kid off, and I hit one of those wonderful semi-tires in the road. And so now if you go look at my fine bumper, you'll notice part of it's missing. And when you push on it, it flexes a lot. <laughs> I've got to get that taken care of. It wasn't what I planned on happening. It wasn't how I saw life going. But right in the middle of what I thought was a good trip, I got caught by surprise in the middle of the night. And uh, it wasn't just on one side of the road, it was on both sides of the road, and there wasn't a whole lot of missing it. Um, My wife was asleep, and then after that, she thought, I must have been asleep. I was like, why was that your first thought? (laughs) But uh, we we all woke right up, whatever condition we were in. But here, the prodigal son made his own choices and decisions 
that took him on a road he should have never been on. And there you also find trial and tribulation and struggle. And in either case, I want you to know that the Father is waiting. Sometimes you think, man, can I even go back to the Father's house? Is there a place for me at all? I got myself in this spot. And that's where the devil likes to get a good Christian. He likes to come and, and grab you and get a hold of you and say, wow, you're a loser. And you're like, okay, okay, I get that. I've been told that in my life. No, you're a loser because you made yourself a loser. And you're like, ouch, that hurts. And so we have conditions in life where we did nothing wrong. We're on the interstate of life. We're trying to do the best job that we can. And we hit the tire. And then we have where we made choices. And they messed our life up. And we wish we would not have gone that way. And in either case, the enemy would like to attack you. He would like to tear you down. He would like to rip you apart. He would like to make you think, for those of you who have been trying so hard in life over here, you've been trying and trying and trying, and, and He would like to tear down your self-image and say, hey, man, God doesn't care about you, and look how poor of a person you are. And He'd like to bring you low and think that you have no place with God. And He would like to do that by pointing out somebody else who messed up their life and how God did right by them and helped them out. So why did He leave you over here? God has not left you. And He is your salvation. He is your hope. And He is your deliverer. And hear me. This is just a short time. Our kids just came out of school. They love school. I'm sure every one of you hear from your children how much they love school. That's usually when they're in kindergarten. And some of them didn't even like it then. And as they get further along in life, I tell you that some of them will say, I really like school. And by the time they hit fifth grade, if they say they like school, everybody calls them weird. And they look at school and they look at each test. And you've been there before. You know what school's like. And you all of a sudden realize that life is so short and so fast and you think, man, you know, this year's almost over. And they're like, school, it is so long. I can't get through this. And you're like, hold on, trust me. This is the good years of your life. And they're like, it's the worst day of my life. The other day, <laughs> I, I had the, a company picnic. And we went to a baseball game and I took the kids. And they thought it was great. Well, some of them. Some of them thought, came and said, can we go home now? This is terrible. <laughs> Others said, this is great. And then we get home and I stood in the yard and something didn't quite work out. And I went from hearing how great the day was to this is the worst day of my life. Now, the first few times in life I heard that, I was like, oh man, how do I fix this? Now I'm like, mm-hmm, pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst day, right? It didn't, didn't work out for you. Somebody didn't let you play ball five minutes longer. Yeah. But we look at life and we see things like that. And we think, man, we're in the worst spot. But hear me, 
your trouble and your struggle is just for a time. And you may feel like that the last 20 years haven't been great. And, and you may have been in this condition like the man at the pool for a long time. And, and, and yet there is hope for you. And where you are at right now is not how it's going to end. We drew some nice uh, stick figures on a drawing the other day. Luke and I, we were talking and, and we were going about life and we were talking about life's trajectory and I could probably use this microphone to, to do this, make sure it's off so you don't hear me twice. Um, and so we were talking about you think life is this way, but then you find Jesus and and He causes you to repent and you're in anguish for a little bit because you see your condition and you feel like, man, I fell down. But then you find Him and, and uh, we're going to go to town here today. Right? And, and you're on a new path and it takes you to greater heights. But what happens? Now you're living for God. And you either make choices or you have sin in your life and you're on this path for God now. And boom, you fall down. And you think life is no more hope. That was me when I came to the Church of Omaha. And I sat right back over there. I was like, God, can I just be in church? Is there any hope? Could I feel your presence? And the enemy, he's like, you're a loser. You don't belong here. And I'm like, well, I'm going to worship God. And he's like, why would you worship God? I'm like, he's like, you're going to hell. And I'm like, okay then, devil, I'm going to hell, but I'm still going to worship God, and I'll just be that fool that went to hell and worshiped God. You know, when you begin to worship God in the middle of the accusation, <laughs> and he sweeps in and touches you, and you're like, I feel God in the middle of what the enemy says. He, he calls me a loser, and yet I feel him, and he changes me. And when you worship him, even when you don't feel him, just keep it up. Keep it up. Be stubborn enough to kick the enemy in the teeth and say, I'm going to give God glory. Even when you can't see God's glory and you wonder, and, and He would like to cloud your judgment and make you think there's nothing to worship. Worship anyways. Worship anyways. But you're in life's trajectory and you fall down hard and you think you've messed up where life could go. But hear me, what you thought was plan A God said, I needed to work some things out of you. And now this falling, it feels like forever, but it's just for a short time. Joy comes in the morning and He sets you on this path. And, and now you're here and, and maybe you go through a series of fallings and getting ups, but where God puts you in the end is so far out here than you ever could imagine when you were on this housetop, when you were on this ladder. And I, I tell that, but I think of uh, Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament, he went through struggles, right? His brothers threw him in a pit, wanted to kill him. Then they sold him to be a slave over to the Ishmaelites. That would have been family. Sold him as a slave. He's trying to live for God. He's in the captain of the army's house, Potiphar's house. And he's, boy, he's having the blessings of God. Things are going well. And then smack, somebody lies about him. He gets thrown in the worst prison that he could get thrown in. He's at the bottom of the barrel. And yet, he lived for God. And you know what's exciting? I don't actually know all the ups and downs Joseph had in there. I don't know if there was a duration in which he didn't do right. But I know that he had had dreams earlier in life. And Joseph was walking by the prison. He got put in charge of the prison as the prisoner. 
That is one lazy captain of the prison. <laughs> he isn't doing his job. He's like, let him do the job. I'll get paid. This will go well. And Jeremy, you're nodding your head. <laughs> you know, I think the best way to do this job is for you to do the job. But what, aren't you paid? Yeah, but I'm going to empower you. I'm going to empower you. We're going to have you do it. So he's in charge of the prison, and he is walking by a cell. And he hears a couple guys talking about a dream. Oh, some of you felt this before. You're at the bottom of the barrel. You're in a low point in life. You don't know where you're going to go, and yet you're walking along, and something catches you. Maybe you preached a message for those of you that's been called to preach, and your message went, and you're like, never again, never again. That's true. That, that, I feel that way. Maybe you've witnessed it. Um, and uh, uh, that's really sad for you. <laughs> but but you're, he's walking along, and he hears Brother Keith about a dream. And something catches him in the middle of his bottom of the barrel moment. Dreams. Wait a second. What is that? And, and he gets caught. And he turns. And he says, I know about dreams. Hear me. I know about dreams. I know the dream maker. And if he would have stopped and told them about his life, he would have said, Oh, trust me, I had dreams once. I had dreams given to me about where God was going to take me. And, and, and he had purpose and meaning in them. And he could have shared that. But something gripped him that he knew the dream maker. And he began to tell them about the meaning of their dreams. And the one that is going to fulfill your Hear me. The one that's going to fulfill this person's dream over here is going to fulfill your dream. Oh, you had a dream once. And that dream isn't over. You just ended up on another path in another place. Oh, it, that's where God needs you to fulfill your dream. Take Potiphar's house. Captain of the armies. That's where he would want to be, right? This is the moment. This is how it's going to happen. But God's letting him know, you can't go up the ladder of this house over here because I need you on this house over here. I don't need you in Potiphar's house. I need you in Pharaoh's house. So i got to change some things up. And in the process, I'm going to prepare you. Moses, hear me, Moses. Moses, I have you in Pharaoh's house. Your family looked at that situation and thought, man... I don't even know if I can raise this kid. And then you went from being in a boat in the middle of the river and hiding you out in the, the, the closet and worried about what people would say and now I've got to let you go and try to monitor. I mean, what's these crazy ideas? They were just doing what they could to save their children. They didn't know how they were navigating. Oh, but the way God saw stuff is not the way that they saw things. They were just trying to work through a troubled world and everything was buffeting them and knocking them upside the head and they didn't know how they were going to survive. But God was looking down and saying, I'm creating a deliverer and I'm going to bring people out in a mighty way and I'm going to destroy your enemy. So just wait a little bit. Because the way that God sees things is not the way that they necessarily saw things. So they have him in a boat and he gets taken by Pharaoh's house. What are we doing? We can't even raise him right and for God now. 
God has it under control. And now she's paid to raise her son. Protected by the king's house. And that is what happens to the church. In the middle of a world that's full of chaos and persecution, God will protect you. That doesn't mean you don't go through trial. It doesn't mean you don't go through struggle. And it doesn't even mean you won't see fellow Christians die or that you won't go through something hard yourself. But you're going to heaven. He's got a a home prepared for you. He's got a a certain future. Hallelujah. And He's going to keep you and protect you. And He's going to take you home. That early church saw James beheaded and saw Peter carried out of prison. And both of them were in the security of Jesus Christ. You can trust God. Oh, we, we looked at a man hung on a cross and thought, man, his, his dreams and visions and hopes were gone. But he said, I'm just no ordinary man. I am God Almighty. And I have just taken the keys to death, hell and the grave. And I have secured your future. That's what rescuing looked like. Just because it didn't look the way you thought it should look doesn't mean that isn't the way that God didn't save the world. It was the only way. It was the only way. Oh, God's got purpose and He's got hope for you. So on this Father's Day, this Father saw a long ways off. And that is what I love about this passage I love this, the parts about the, in this story, this parable about the young man who left his father and how he came back. But in the middle of all that is what did the father do? And what did the father see? Because in the middle of a kid over here hanging out, living life and Frankly, that son, I am sure, saw everything just from his own way. You all were children once, I guarantee you. You couldn't be adults without being a child. Don't you love my logic? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty in-depth. Pretty in-depth. You can go to class for that. Um, I'm sure you can someplace. <laughs> and then they'll give you a degree. <laughs> but uh, um, So, this kid... All he saw was, what am I going to do with life now? But I need some money. And the fastest way to get this is to get it from dad. He worked really hard all these years. He's stored up a lot of wealth. And a chunk of that is mine. And now I can launch forward and I can do life the way I want. And that child was out there. And you know what the father did? The father looked at that moment. And see, those are things when we look at that story and we realize, hey, you know, this is the father's stuff. And, and the kid gets it when the father dies. That's what an inheritance is about. Isn't it a terrible way to get an inheritance is your father has to die. And, and he didn't want the father to have to die. He just wanted the stuff. And, he, and the father says, you know what? I'm going to give you the stuff. Because that's the stage of life we're at right now. And it's going to unfold And you're going to make decisions that I would not have made. And it's not going the way that I wanted it to go. But you know what had happened from age zero to that moment? The father had raised that child. Had invested in that child. Had poured into that child. Had had nurtured that child. And now it was time 
to launch. And the kid said, this is the way I want to go. And some of you have raised children. And you have raised them and you poured into them. And you wish you'd have done it this way. And you wish you'd have done it that way. But no matter what, they, you know what happens every year? They keep growing. And then they hit that age. And now it's in their hands. And they go to launch. And the father here is no longer in the spot where he has that kid back in the house to take care of him. But he knows I've poured into that child. I've placed into them. I've worked in them. I've tried to do my job there. You know, I, I had to rechange some things up and do things a different way, but I've poured into them. I've worked. And now, if you could see things the way the Father sees things. Do you see what I see? And I can tell you from this Bible that if you would just take a moment to see things the way God sees them, oh, the way you see all of this world would be completely different. Completely different. You would see wickedness and horribleness and judgment. You would see brokenness and terrible lifestyle in things that you think look like fun and happiness and pleasure and partying. That's what the prodigal son saw. He saw the good time. The father saw a path that would just lead to hopelessness and anguish. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, this is Paul writing, he's given a lot of admonishments. But he says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. The New Living says, and provoke not your children to anger. My kids like to think that that's me provoking them to anger when I tease them. I suppose maybe at some point it can go too far, and yes, that could be. But our King James here says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. New Living says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I think both of those translations help to highlight things that Paul felt the need to really write to fathers. Doesn't mean that mothers aren't supposed to also nurture and bring up and train. It doesn't mean that it's okay. Uh, Alex, it's okay to provoke your children to wrath because you're a mother, right? No. <laughs> it's not right. But us dads, we can get a little... And we sometimes are a little quicker to a temper. Am I the only one? All right, all right, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Brother Terry. Please don't look badly at Brother Terry um, or me. But the Bible deals with us a little bit more on our anger. Why? Because it can be a struggle. And you know what? We can destroy our children. What we do with them can cause them to, to be angry and to want to leave us and to walk out. And when they make wrong choices and wrong decisions, you could just give up on them and be done. You know, God sometimes is like, fine then. He'll say, I've worked hard with you, but you're so stubborn, you're going to have to experience a hard time here. And he's done that, and sometimes we've had to experience a hard time. 
But when we look at the Father, what do we see Him doing in this parable? He is looking and waiting. You have children in your home. It is not time to send them off to the world. When they hit that age that you have no choice about, age 18, 19, you know what? (laughs) You may think, like, i got to keep them here. Guess what? That moment, wherever they're at in life, maybe they'll hang out and let you pour some more into them. That's awesome. But if they don't, because society and the ways of life have said they can go, you know what? Before that, don't send them out too soon. Don't put, don't let them have access to movies they have no business having access to. Pay attention to the friends that they got. Look what the music is that they're listening to. See what they're interested in for hobbies. Pay attention. Don't let your wrath and anger and and, and your provoking cause you also to separate from them. And don't put them into a spot where they cut you off. You see, in the Ten Commandments, we have about honoring your father and mother. Why is that? Because we honor God and we we worship God, but then it's plucked in there about fathers and mothers. Why? Why? It's because you're little creators and you're pouring into them. And yes, you're not perfect like God, but if you'll just do your due diligence and trust God and lean on Him, and mold and shape into their lives. You're putting things in there. God has entrusted you with these children, and He's giving you the tools, if you'll just take them, that you need to raise them. So pour into them, parents, and shape them. And you can't give up because of what happened yesterday. You're all they got, and you're what they need. Pour into them. If I had some Play-Doh here today, I would be shaping it, molding it. Actually, I intended to, and then I kind of forgot about it. I asked the boy if we had any at the house. But uh, shaping and molding. King James says in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I see that nurture and I see that kindness and I loving. I love that word nurture, but I think sometimes we also are like, well, what is exactly does that mean? Um, and, and we see then this discipline and instruction, nurture and admonition, discipline and instruction. Where, yes, you're correcting things, but don't, you can't look at correction as punishment. Right? Why? Because you're trying to change what they're doing. Beating the kid is only hurting them and breaking them, not building them. That's why we sometimes, we get that scripture, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child, and, and we, 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 uh, we look at that, we don't understand. It, it doesn't mean you beat them. It means that you correct them. And the degree is a whole lot different. You can't just be beating on your kid. That's not right. That will cause wrath. Okay? But you can correct and it'll feel painful for a moment. But you're going to direct the life the, the way it needs to go. And God does, he, he, he gets on to us. But he doesn't beat you, he corrects you. He gives you, he gives you a, a, a spanking. He doesn't go out of control. He's bringing you back. He's saying, hold on, and he's guarding you and protecting you. He's providing you a safe place. We need to nurture and correct it, but we need to give instruction, teach, 
you don't just teach by your words, you teach by your lifestyle. My boss told me the other day about his boys. They're all adults now. And you know what they do? They show up to work. He said also, he doesn't think that in a school year they probably, they, that they ever miss 15 days. Maybe not even in all their high school years did they miss 15 days. And he said, you know, I think they didn't miss school because they saw mom and I go to work. Brilliant. The parents went to work. The kids went to school. They didn't want to go to school. Trust me, kids do not want to go to school. And, and yet, they saw their parents' lifestyle. And when they see you fathers and mothers get up and go to church every week, when they see you say, I'm sorry when you did wrong, keep doing it. Keep leading by example. Keep teaching. Keep training. Why? Proverbs tells us, tells us, Proverbs chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. First off, there's an inclination right away to go down the wrong path because it seems right. You need God yourself to know the right path. But secondly, when you teach your children and you guide them and you lead them and you nurture them, you're teaching them the right path so their house can flourish. Oh, it'll seem fun for a moment over here, but we need to get you over here. Teach, train, instruct, both in your words and in your actions. Actions speak louder than words. And your life is a painting and a picture for them that you can reach into. And a picture is worth a thousand words. So what do they see? We referenced school and the worst day of your life earlier. But you see it's for a moment. And you see the need for them to get an education. And you see the need for them to grow. And they want everything to happen right now. But you see that it's going to be okay. And it's around the, moment, the, the corner. And, and Liam over here, he's 11 years old now. And he's just wondering when is, when is his ministry just going to take off? And I'm like... I just told him a little bit ago, I was like, Liam, I didn't even have the Holy Ghost at your age. It wasn't until age 12, right? And, and, uh, and I'm like, it's, be patient. God's using you. He's growing you and working you. It's okay. It's going to happen. That's what you see. You see what they don't see. You see, and you need to see, hear me, you need to see, men, what your wives can become and what your children can become. And you don't get there by saying, well, you know, you could be a better person. You know, I really think you're this. Instead, you create a place that brings them into it. You believe in them. You encourage them. You invest in their opportunities to help them grow. You expose them to things that will help them to get there. Do you see what I see? You know, the rest of the, the world's going to see your kids as spoiled brats sometimes. That might be true. They may see your kids as being a jerk. They maybe were a jerk. Okay? But you look at them and you see their hurts, you see their pains, and you're supposed to. And you see where their dreams are, and you see where they're going, and you see what you're pouring into them, and what you're going to bring out of them. You're working in your children's lives. 
your seeing into them and trust. And I want you to be encouraged. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What is that telling us? It's telling us that when you get that right path, and you put them on that right path, and that will put them on that right destination. Now, Proverbs, when you read Proverbs, you like to think like every time that somebody did it just the way the Proverbs said, it will always work out this way, okay? If I invest $1,000 in the stock market, it'll be a million dollars. Well, that's because it happened to him. doesn't mean that. I, I recognize everybody has a choice. But what the wise man was saying is if you will do these things this way, life will go this way. So you can be encouraged that if you will pour into your children, connect them with God, put right values in them, be patient with them. And patience comes by struggle, right? That God's going to take care of them because you've put the right path and you've shown the right thing into their life. Do it. And then don't give up on them because you're supposed to see in your kids. Other people aren't. Other people aren't put responsible for your children. That's like when you start a business and other people are like, eh, I'm pretty sure your business is going to fail. And you're like, I have a vision. And we're taking this someplace. And it's going to be a lot of hard work and you don't see it right now. Sometimes people see your kid and, and, and they don't see what you see. Your kid doesn't see what you see. But you see what God, and you need to see what God sees in them. And He has put them to be the, not only the now, but the future. And when you're dead, they're supposed to still be here. And so God has said, you don't get to change the world for as far out as they get to. And I've put them here to also be the future and to teach generations that you don't ever have the opportunity to teach. So you need to believe in these kids and you need to invest in them. You need to invest. So now we circle back here to the Father. In the few minutes we have remaining. And the way... The father saw his son wasn't the way the son saw himself. You see, the son first saw himself as I get to live a life and party and do my thing out here. And this is not just for you raising your kids, but this is though also for you. He saw what he, the end of life could be and where he could go with it. And the father was over there waiting, looking Oh, there was no timetable for when the son would come home. He didn't have that to know, okay, you know what? <laughs> Six years have passed by. Time for me to go out there and wait. That means the father did a whole lot of looking. Because he was seen when the son came out, or came home. I'm getting things messed up there, right? The son came out. But he saw the son when he came. He was looking. He was waiting. He knew you're going to get things righted one day. And so that son is over there and he, and, he, and he thought, man, this is the way to live life. And the father would have known, no, that's not the way. And then the son saw life destroyed. But you know the way God saw it? Not a destroyed life, but a life that can now come to repentance. The son saw himself as completely broken, but you know the way God saw it? Somebody I can now build. 
The son heard the crunch, the child heard the crunch of the corn stalks and saw the pigs eating it and thought, man, if I could just eat that, if that would work in my belly, I would do it. And what did God see? Somebody that I can now feed. The son thought, man, could I just get out of this mess? What does the father see? What does God see? Somebody who has desire and and will want to. And if there's just a little spark there, you know what? Even when you don't have a spark, God can give you a spark. And He says, hey, now it's time to flourish. And where the son saw, maybe there's an hope for me where I can just be a servant or a slave in my father's house. Oh, the father says, hey, wait a second. Here's a child coming home. And so when he looked a long ways off and he saw him over there, he said, finally, we can now continue on that path. He went over there, but now he's coming home and life is just beginning. Oh, let's give the hand clap to the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Give him glory. Because where the sun saw an end, the father could see a beginning. <laughs> and the father was waiting. And just like the father invested in him to begin with and entrusted him to begin with, so when he saw him out there, and I told you this just recently, but he picked those robes up and he took shame on himself and he outran every accuser and he ran past the village that would have blocked the son and stopped him from making home and told him how bad he was and he ran by all that and he welcomed him and he took his shame. And that's what Jesus did for you and your sins he took your shame and he led him back to the house and he gave him his ring and he gave him his robe and he set him at the table and he gave him he he gave him honor he gave him authority and he brought him to the table the son was just like man maybe I can just get out of this place but the father saw a family Brought back together. Brought back together. Do you see what I see? God is looking at you and He sees greatness in you, in hope, in beauty. The son that was at home was like, oh, wait a second, what did you do, Dad? And we're going to be bringing this to a close very quickly. What did you do, Dad? What did, what did, he was angry. And he talked to that son and he's like, wait a second. You need to see things the way I see it. Not for his past, but for our future together. And then he let him know, the father's not dead. He's alive. And he said, all I have present is yours. And your brother was dead. He made bad decisions, but he's alive. We're back together. Could we stand to our feet? We're back together again. You know, you need to stop looking at your brother and sister that messed up life and now you see the blessings of God on them and you're saying, well, why'd you bless them? Instead, you need to understand that you were in a dead moment. You were in a place and, and however you got there, you, you were there, but you're now back and we're together and we're family and, and all he has is yours. And he wants, he's he's given to you to love, to take care of, to raise up, to build in people, to build in children. And so today is a beginning for you. 
And so I want you to see things the way the Father sees them. I want you to see in your children, in your wives. I want you to see in yourselves. And I want you to see in others the way He sees. And He sees somebody He loves. Can we close our eyes and just begin to talk to Him? And as you're talking to Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus believes in you. He loves you. And in your life is only just beginning. Oh, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we give you worship and we give you praise. And today we commission this church. Oh, we commission these fathers, but not these fathers only, but all men and not these men only, but God, these, these, these mothers and not these mothers only, but all these women. We commission this people, Lord. Oh, God, and, and these men and these women, God, to go out. Oh, God, they're in the Father's house. They're in your presence. And God, you've set them at the table and you've restored them and you've given them your authority and your riches. Oh, Lord Jesus, encourage them. Build them today and may they see things the way you see them and help them to build and to invest and to have the patience and the love and the due diligence, oh God. Oh, God, to reach others, to raise their children, to, be, to restore their families. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, and we give you glory. Oh, our Father, our King, our Holy Savior that rescued us and brought us back. Let's give Him a hand clap. Hallelujah. 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 In this second half today and during the worship, and I know we're over time, but in this second half and during the worship, I want each and every one of you to get into a place of worship with Jesus. And I want you to close your eyes, look up at him. I want you to look up at him. And I want you to let God show you the way he sees you and where he wants to take you. God bless you. We'll see you back in here at 1120.